Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to a very special episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Today, guys, I'm joined by a legend in the industry, a guy who needs no introduction whatsoever, so I'm not going to give him one. Thomas, welcome to the show, mate. How you doing? <laughs> See, I laughed. You told me. I you, said don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> yeah, well, it's too late. <laughs> guys, I, I am joined by the one and only Thomas Keenan, a uh, legend in the automotive um, electronics industry, and he successfully exited a really, really good company over there to come down to Dallas and swing his thing around and be the head man in charge of Ryan Steuben's operation at Break Free Academy. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, mate. Welcome. Well, thank you, sir. I am, uh, well, first off, we're in our podcast studio here at Break Free Academy. Yeah, so, very lucky uh, But to be I'm, here. I'm very grateful to be on your show. Uh, this is actually a swap. You were on mine a couple months ago, and it was a fantastic episode. And um, I just like getting on other people's shows, see how they do it. I get to learn from other people. Well, I've copied you today, actually, because you'll <laughs> notice, like, I, I have a very structured show. Um, one of the biggest comments I get from guests is, ooh, that's a good question. And then they go off into uh, into whatever it was I've asked them. And you do it differently. You kind of freestyle your podcast. So I've taken a leaf out of your book. I've got absolutely no notes in front of me whatsoever. So this is going to be uh, this is gonna be a fun little journey that we're going to go on here. Now. I think so, because, um, you know, let's just cut the bullshit. You and I, sir, have had... Uh, a couple of evenings out. Uh, yeah. you know, I yeah. know you don't indulge in the alcohol these days, but we've we've gone out and and had we'll call it drinks, even though well, they yours may have been yeah, coffee. I, had, I, I drink non-alcoholic beer. Yes, you know, yes, I, you I do. do treat myself occasionally. Yeah, but we've gone out and gotten to know each other as uh, as just guys, as dudes. You know, put all the business and the accomplishment shit to, to aside, and let's just go out and have a conversation. I mean. In all honesty, like, if I wrote down what one of my, like, friends would look like, he'd, he'd probably end up looking somewhat like you, you know? So, I mean, I think... Six foot four, 270. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my mouth gets me in a lot of trouble, and I need guys like you around. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of this, right? <laughs> yeah. But, dude, I mean... Yes, we connected on a, a friendship level. We had we had a great time. I think it was uh, it was Zach Babcock's group that, that got us together initially sure. for podcasting. But you've got such an amazing story, and what shocks me is the amount of parallels that guys like us have. Um, you know, the initial taste of success where the entrepreneur is carrying everything on their shoulders and I'm successful, but I'm building a business, but, and then you end up chaining yourself to the business and you end up getting fat and depressed and drinking and everybody has the same fucking story of entrepreneurship. And it yep. seems like they come from their twenties into their thirties. They find that success. And then on the backside of that success is the failure because they've never learned how to handle it. Mm -hmm. So man, tell us a little bit about your journey in the business world and about starting out because you weren't always this fucking super successful business owning operating stud, were you? <laughs> no, sir. I <laughs> you name it, I fucked it up. <laughs> um, you know, my journey started back probably from the age of 16. I was surrounded by an entrepreneurial family. Um, uh, my mom had um, two brothers and they, they both were 
call it small business owners. When I say small business, I mean small business. You know, like I, I come in and I do everything kind of yeah, small business. Yeah. But that, that's the first step that most people make from yeah. leaving a job to becoming self-employed. Right, and most people wind up never evolving beyond that. Correct, yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that either, but I just want the listeners to know that. If that's what your goal and your dreams and your aspirations are, cool. You know... I'm not here to judge. I've got some very dear friends in their early 40s, mid-40s, working through careers as warehouse foremen, as forklift drivers. They're perfectly happy. They're perfectly content. And it's just, if you're wired that way, there's nothing wrong with being a solo entrepreneur and just yeah. running your own shit, man. I do agree 100%. So hanging around these uncles, they both happen to be in the automotive industry. So mm-hmm. that's an area you and I are aligned. Yes. Uh, yes. So one owned a used car dealership, did a lot of automotive repair, detailing, you know, buy a car, clean it up a little bit, make it, give it a spit shine, and then put it out yeah, in the yard yeah. for sale. Yeah, we've all been there. Yep. <laughs> um, and my other uncle owned an auto body shop. So I got to hang out with these guys a lot in my uh, mid to late teen years mm-hmm. and learned a lot from them. They instilled a lot of work, work ethic into me beyond what my mom did. Right, right. Um, you know, basically, my uncle's brutal in, in a good way. I, <laughs> I, I'm thankful for them every day. If I If I came home and my hands weren't, you know, torn up enough, bloody enough, dirty enough, you didn't work hard enough today. Are we related? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of what got drilled into my head from an early age. And um, I, I found around the age of 17 or 18, I always loved music. Okay, another mm-hmm. correlation you and yeah. I have, right? I always loved music. And I, I love cars. And I found out that you can put the two together <laughs> in this thing called car audio. Man, as 17-year-olds, that was our world. Mm-hmm. Like, because... I was 17, I got my first driver's license, I got my first car, I got my first tape deck. And from that very moment on, it was how do I make it go louder? How do I get more noise out of this? Yep, exactly. Because when you wind those windows down and you drive around the town square and all the girls look at you and they, they go, wow, look at that guy. Isn't he great with all that music? That's mm-hmm. not what they're actually saying, but that's what you hear. Yeah, that's head. what you, your head tells you is going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So I think it's a very common correlation for 17-year-olds to want to make shit loud. Yeah. You know, the experience, too, working with my uncles, uh, they were very handy guys. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just the car they were working. They, they did a lot of projects around the house that I was helping them with yeah. and rebuild the room, rebuild the bathroom kind of stuff. So I got to use my hands at an early age, and I realized that I liked working with them. I like what I can create. I like the tangible results at the end of the day. So car audio it was. And I, I jumped in and, and dove in head first from the age of 17. By the time I was 19, I was uh, fully employed. I had gone to trade school and was working in a, uh, a very um, high-end professional car audio installation facility. <laughs> so so what, was the, what was the most expensive thing you wrecked? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what was the biggest move? so I'll give you I'll give you a saying that I learned from the guy who owned this place and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll never forget it because I still uh, leverage it and use it to, to, to this very day the difference between a good installer and a great installer is one who can cover up his fuck ups <laughs> and he, he's right so uh, it's funny I told the story just recently I was installing a remote starter this is not an expensive car mm-hmm. okay Installing a remote starter in like a 2001, 2002 Nissan Altima. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day when that car was new, I mean, I was doing three, four, five of those a day. I could do the, the car with my eyes closed kind of thing. Okay. I didn't need a schematic to tell me what color wires did what in that car. Well, all the wires were black and white. Back oh, in those yeah. Days, right? yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so. yeah, no, not at all, sir. <laughs> so uh, in that vehicle, you had to disassemble the driver's door panel, pull off the door panel, uh, unplug the switch assembly, and you had to run two wires into the door 
and tie them into the switch itself to make the door locks go with okay. the, the aftermarket remote. Right, that makes sense. Okay. So I tear apart this door. I go to unplug the switch, working a little quick because I had stuff to do that day. And you had your eyes closed because you've done, yes, so, many done so many of them. Yeah, I've done so many of them. So I unplug this Molex connector and the connector doesn't come out, but every single pin inside the <laughs> connector comes out. I think we've all been there. And I said, oh, fuck. Luckily, I had done, like I said, so many of these. And um, I had, I don't know how this even came about. I had a digital camera, which even a digital camera at that time was this magnificent yeah. thing. I think it was three megapixels. Was, we was it the like, one wow. with the, that had the floppy disk in the side, <laughs> no, in the no, back? No, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that old. <laughs> so I wound up, uh, for some reason, I took a picture of the switch on one of the vehicles I had done previously. Uh-huh. And I was able, thank God, to that picture, I was able to go reference the picture on my digital camera and repin that connector. Otherwise, that thing would have gone to the dealer, and God only knows what the bill would have been. Well, you couldn't have Googled it back then. It no, sir. Have, wouldn't, you wouldn't have found that. I didn't have an internet connection fast enough either. Oh, wow. Yeah, you would You would have been downloading it line by line <laughs> by line by line. <laughs> like the slowest. That AOL dial-up from mm-hmm. back in the day. The slowest porn ever. Yeah. Get uh, off the phone. So uh, a, a real a real fuck up. Um, Lincoln Navigators first came out. Oh, I remember ninety eight, ninety nine ish. They, they were, were gorgeous. They, they were sixty seven thousand dollars. They were they were the thing. That was it. Man. Like you had yeah. some bread. That's what you were driving. Like over an Escalade. Yes, it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a line of these things coming into the audio shop for upgrades, and we had we had actually designed a system, and we would sell it as a package. Mm-hmm. And it was hidden everything. We would hide all the amplifiers so that way when you looked in the vehicle, nothing looked uh, aftermarket. And it required us removing the right rear quarter panel of the vehicle, which is this big giant panel in that truck. Okay, mm-hmm. It takes probably a good 30, 45 minutes worth of labor to get this thing out. And we would make these custom brackets and mount the amplifiers inside, basically in the wheel well, right. in the rear of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this and you don't know vehicles, the interior panel and the exterior panel, there's a good anywhere from four to six inches of dead airspace. Mm-hmm. So we would hide a lot of gear in there. So we, I make these brackets, uh, put these amplifiers in here. I go to screw the these brackets into the sheet metal of the vehicle, and I slip with the screw gun, and I hit the sheet metal from the inside. I don't think anything of it. I, I barely tapped it, right? Finish up the vehicle. This is like a $20,000 audio system in this vehicle, by mm-hmm. the way. Guy comes, picks it up. An hour later, he comes back, and he's pissed off. Like, uh-oh. Comes out, he's talking to the boss that owns the place, and he points over there. Well, apparently, that not-so-gentle bump from the tip of my, my screw gun, my drill, uh, put a dimple from the inside out in the paint. Luckily... Uh, for, for those of you who don't know also, there's a, this fantastic service called PDR, Paintless mm-hmm. Dent Removal. Yeah. Called in a PDR guy, and basically that guy came over. And if you've ever seen those guys operate... I have, yeah. Holy fuck. And it's insane. It's insane. They get paid very well. They they're, look like... They're all skilled. the tools are like dentist tools. Yes. They look like little bitty hooks and, yeah. and little hammers and stuff. So this, yeah. is, this is a point coming from the inside of the vehicle out, mm-hmm. right? So normally they'd get in behind the panel, and they would they would put this this weird-looking hook tool in behind the panel, and they would wiggle out the dent. Yeah, they massage it out. Right. Well, this is the opposite way. So they have to now push this dent in. This guy comes to the to the, to the the vehicle with a punch and a hammer. Like, this this vehicle's a week too old mm-hmm. and starts beating it to death. Like, like, oh, my God. I'm having heart palpitations watching this guy do this. But 
I let the professional do what he was doing, and it came out perfect. <laughs> so, again, saved me probably several thousand dollars of a real paint job because he did the right thing and, and knew what he was doing. But working with your hands is always a passion, man. Yes, uh, until a point for me personally, sir. Well, let's dig into that sure. and talk about... <clears throat> Because, you know, I know it's a little bit personal. Um, looking at you now, you wouldn't have thought it. But you had a period of, uh, of misery and weight gain <laughs> whilst, whilst owning a business and trying to operate as an entrepreneur. So, a couple of times, actually. Tell us, tell us about sure. one of those times and, and what led you down that path when you realized that, hey, man, maybe this shit's a problem and maybe I can't do this by myself. Yeah. So uh, I'll go back to the first business. I started my first business. I was 21 years old. Exquisite Mobile Electronics. I was doing car, custom car audio installations. Uh, the problem with that business was I was the technician and only the technician. That's the only thing I knew. I knew how to put the gear into the vehicle. I didn't know how to own and operate the business. Right. So I start this this whole thing. And, and to me was, if you had a problem, okay, whatever that problem was, you worked harder. The harder you worked, the more problems you could fix. But that's how... That's how we were taught. I grew up very blue collar, yes. similar to you. I grew up with manual labor and it's like, hey, we're workers, we're hard workers. We're gonna work hard and we're gonna solve this and we're gonna take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, right to the point where, you know, you don't do anything that like, you don't pay anybody to do anything that you can do yourself. Sure. You don't pay anyone to mow a yard. Mm -hmm. no, 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 you go take care of that yourself. You don't pay anyone to paint a wall. No, I got time, I'll paint this wall. Right. And we all fall into that trap from a blue-collar background yes. because we've learned that hard work is the only answer. Sure. Trading time for money. That's how we're, pro we're programmed we're, as kids. That's, how, that's what we're taught. Mm -hmm. And it, it's really not like that at all. So tell us a little bit about sure. what happened on, uh, on your journey there. Sure. So I get into this business, uh, and for the record, it lasted five years. Which is longer than most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was, I muscled it through. Uh, I probably should have closed it long before, but my pride wouldn't let me. Uh, I found... I bet, that, uh, I bet that ended up costing you. $86,000 in personal debt when I was done with that business, sir. That, that, that's not terrible. I mean, that's no, not could, could have been a lot worse. Could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. could have been a lot yeah. worse. Yeah. Um, the biggest lesson I learned there was that I thought the business was everything. Every ounce of energy, money I had went into that company. Mm -hmm. um, and I was the only one to do the work. Mm -hmm. So I was the installer. I was the sales rep. I was the bookkeeper. I was the bathroom cleaner. I was the supply orderer. And you were trying to take care of the one pillar that's business. And yeah. you were neglecting the gratitude. And you were neglecting the genetics. I didn't know anything about that at the time. Right. But if, you're not, if you're not healthy, yeah. you can't run a business. Sure. And, you know? and I, I was in complete reactionary mode at all times. Yes. So, you know, oh, shit, eating is an afterthought. Dude, isn't that how we all start, though? Mm, yes, sir. Like we all react to the problem first. And it's only... God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's only that little bit of gray hair and a little bit of age and a little <laughs> bit of wisdom. Well, we've got both of that, sir. <laughs> so here's the screwed up part. I didn't learn my lesson round one. I start business number two in 2009. Okay, and that, I was in that business for 11 years before I exited. Mm -hmm. The first five years, I did the same dumb shit. <laughs> the difference was I had a partner in that business and... When one got tired, sick, couldn't do something, the other picked up. Right. Uh, also, we, we didn't have much of a team, but the, the work that we were doing was very profitable. 
Um, we, we, so that business was GPS tracking and dash camera installations. Right. So we understood the technical aspect of it because of our car audio backgrounds. My partner, too. That's where I met him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went in and started doing these GPS installs. We go from installing like a 36 or 46 wire remote car start system or advanced alarm security system. And now we're installing a GPS tracking device that's three wires. That would save a little time. Uh, save a little bit of time, and, and the, the level of skill needed to get such work done is drastically decreased. I mean, that's something you could almost build operating procedures around and just replicate and give to techs. Yes, but I didn't know that for the first five years because I had my head so far <laughs> up the ass of the business. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> but we've, we've all been there now, and now we see a, a, an organizational chart and an operating procedure uh, yeah. as, as something that we're going to follow. Correct. But, like, yeah, if you don't know it exists, you don't know what Again, you don't know. At the time... The answer was, you want more more money? Go work harder. Mm-hmm. Go get Put more installs done. Get more clients. Correct. So we did it. We did. Listen, I was making a couple hundred grand a year. You know, I was putting money away. I was going on vacations with my wife. I bought a house. You know, got married. Like all that stuff happened. Like I, that was good stuff that came mm-hmm. out of the business. And uh, five years into it, uh, my wife says to me, "Hey, guess what?" I say, "What's up, baby? I'm pregnant." <laughs> like, oh. Sweet. Okay, great. So I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Anyway, fast forward a bit. Uh, a couple of weeks into me finding out that she's pregnant. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, holy shit, I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. Uh, I need to grow up. The, the funny thing here, looking back in hindsight, I was 35. <laughs> <laughs> so at 35 years of age, sir, I decided to get my head out of my ass and grow up. And um, I did. I think I did really quickly, as quickly as I could. Uh, about eight and a half months. <laughs> it took longer than that for sure. Uh, but I, I definitely started on the right path. I right. realized that the business that w- my partner and I had built had more potential than I had skill set to lead it to. Right. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, and this followed the same uh, path that I had originally gone down when I started trade school. Cause I had brought myself into the car audio industry. I taught myself to a level where, I was like, cool, I taught myself a lot and I'm pretty good at this, mm-hmm. but I can't take it any further unless I go hang out with the experts and learn from them. Right. Okay, so I do the same thing in business. I bring the business to a point, we're making money, we're profitable, I'm working my dick off. Mm-hmm. You know, 90, 100-hour weeks are not the, abnormal. No, no, I mean, that's why I got out of the car business was mm-hmm. the 90-hour weeks. It was fucking killing me. Yeah. But no, I, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. So um, went out and hired the first business coach, it's funny that uh, we, we lasted with that coach for a couple of months. He wound up retiring. I probably forced him to retire. <laughs> uh, but that gentleman led me to a software called Infusionsoft, which is now called Keep, which is a CRM platform. Uh, CRM platform Keep led me to a local user group on Long Island where I'm born and raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, that user group led me to my second business coach where I worked with that gentleman for two years. And that's the guy who really tapped into me instilled a lot of uh, value into me and gave me tremendous, tremendous knowledge. Thomas, how did you and I ever manage to run companies and you for five years without a freaking CRM, dude? Like now looking back, oh, like, I cringe thinking of it. It's such an integral tool. It's such a, a, a huge part of my yeah. operation. And yet, Five years with no CRM, mm-hmm. dude. And like, I didn't. Thousands really, of clients. Dude, I didn't build a CRM for the car dealership. I, I, I didn't. I didn't mess with it. And yeah. I didn't build a CRM with my supplement company. I had one. Never utilized it. None of it. And only once I discovered 
like the actual power of being able to track and follow my clients and keep mm-hmm. up with them. And uh, man, if you're not using a CRM, like fucking like wake up, you know, yeah. go, yeah, go yeah, you need to it. get involved in that for sure. And I'm not here to tell you which one's the right one to use. There's several out there. Uh, so you got to go what fits your company, mm-hmm. but you need a place to put your clients' information and keep track. Like s- simple stuff, like hey, oh, what's uh, what's what's Jane Smith's phone number? Uh, let me go dig it up in an email from six years ago. Mm-hmm. I played that game. That's a waste of time. Yep. So it, it cuts into your efficiency. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And where do you keep notes on that client? Like, is this client a complete asshole? Cause let's just, let's be real for a minute. Mm-hmm. Every so often we have a client who's a complete asshole. Okay. I mean, I have my thoughts and procedures on what to do once they become an asshole. Uh, that's a, a different conversation for a different time. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you need to keep notes on that client. Hey, well, when did you purchase what? Like, like God forbid you die or let's say you have a salesperson that's on your team who's mm-hmm. who's doing whatever. And that person winds up leaving your team to go on to bigger and better things. Okay, it happens. Reality. Well, that, that, that's that's half the point. Correct. Like wh- what, what happens to that client? Who's going to now take over and service that client? Mm-hmm. If we don't have notes in the system, how does the new guy coming in behind them know what, what's going on? Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. Um, you know, I've got several thousand contacts now in my real estate database. And when I send out text messages and when I send out freaking memes and all that stuff that, that we learn up here, it, it works. Like if, if I didn't have those records and if I hadn't kept notes for the last several years since I've been building real estate stuff up, mm-hmm. if I hadn't kept that, I would have nothing. Yeah. And, you know, a business without a database is, is, is nothing. It's the data that's the money. Yeah. 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 It, it makes your company more valuable as well. It really does. All day. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the story here a bit. Yes. So, we got off track. No, it's fine. I'm trying to keep on track as well. So uh, this company comes. My wife's pregnant. Baby comes. I get my ass in gear. Coach one, coach two. Here's the funny thing. Okay. Coach two drops me into Sales Talk with Sales Pros Facebook group. and says, you need to brush up on your sales skills. Go into this group and watch this crazy guy, Ryan Stuman. And uh, you'll probably learn a thing or two. Did my buddy put me in there because of the memes? <laughs> it's from meme sharing. I love it. And yeah, they put me in there for the jokes. And yeah. you know, I was in there for a long time before mm-hmm. I started to tune into the actual talk. Yeah, I was in for for probably six months or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's this Ryan Stuman guy? This guy's an abrasive asshole. Why doesn't he shut up? What yeah, I'm like, man, I'm from New York and I'm loud and I got a big mouth, but this guy's something uh-huh. else. Yep. And at first, I wanted to kick him. But yeah, but that's what drew us to it. Yeah. Like, it's like watching a train wreck. Like, what's he going to say next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the more I started watching and listening to this guy, I realized, wait, wait a second. He's a smart dude. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I wound up you know, joining his program, which is uh, Apex Entourage. Um, joined the program over here uh, as, a, as a client. Learn a lot from him. Have opportunities to level up and, and go into different levels of the program. Um, I worked with him for quite some time. Uh, business coaching which was great. And through that coaching process, he basically showed me what's possible. Okay. So him and I, I don't know if you know this, him and I are seven days apart. Did not know that. Yeah. We're the same age. He's literally seven days older than me. And he's had, let's just put it lightly. He's had a fucked up life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Been in prison a couple of times, you know, not had it easy by no means. Mm-hmm. Grew up rough the whole nine yards. Here I am, you know, white ass Tom, Growing up in, in, in middle America. Picket fence. Yep. I mean, like, were we rich? No, but I didn't have any of the problems that he had growing up. Like, I had the same upbringing. We weren't rich. Yeah. Like, we struggled. We grew our own food. Mm-hmm. But it was happy. 
supported. Yes. There's no tragic story in my upbringing. Yeah. And there was love in my house at home. Absolutely. You know, like yeah. I wasn't worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and part of what got me is like, Hey, here's this dude who had a rough upbringing. He's literally like almost day to day, same age as me. And he's accomplished a fuck of a lot more than I have. Yeah. And he's got every reason to shut up and be a failure. Yes. He's got every reason to have given up and yep. he didn't. And then I'm coming along looking going, wow. If this guy's grown up like this and mm-hmm. been through this, then where does that leave us? Exactly. So I realized that and I said, you know what, man, I could probably learn something from this guy. So I bought in. I bought in heavy. Uh, started hanging out and listening more and getting more involved. Uh, like I said, I worked with him one to one for a while uh, a couple of years ago. And um, um, before you jump ahead, though, tell sure. me, tell me how working with him mm-hmm. took you from your second business coaching relationship yeah. into now a much higher level business relationship. What did that do to the GPS tracking and installation business? How did it affect where you were after your first five years? Mm. How did it affect the second five years and the growth of your company? Uh, It established me as the authority within the industry. That was the biggest thing. I love that. Yeah. So part of the process and he, he, so we, we flew to the Bahamas and before I, I signed up to coach him one-to-one, um, he, we flew to the Bahamas for a one day mastermind, uh, cost me a couple grand. And I said, all right, this is cool. I get to fly in a private jet with a super successful guy and he's going to tear into me, my story and my business for the, for the day and break down and basically help me, help me craft this game plan for the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm in. So we go tell him everything that's going on. And he lays out this plan, like, like step by step, write the book, start the Facebook group, do this, build this online course, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. So I don't know about you, but when someone smarter than me, someone I look up to tells me what to do, mm-hmm. I got home from that trip and I started doing the work. And, um, you know, I'm the same. I know. <laughs> I know. Here we are on my podcast, yep. <laughs> making us authorities in our business. Yep. So I started doing the work and, and I started getting noticed heavily by people in the automotive electronics industry. Mm-hmm. And, and there's two sides of it. There's the fleet side, which is the GPS tracking yeah. industry. And then there's more of the retail side, which would be the, the car audio, which I, I originally came from. Yeah. Um, my book launches in, I think it was June, 2019, mm-hmm. two days later, the president of the MEA mobile electronics association calls me on my cell phone. Now, this was a guy you'd been trying to get in touch with. Two years. Two I've years. been after this guy for two years because I, I knew I had something to share. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. So the timing was right. I wasn't ready when I thought I was. Uh, but I wanted to get on this guy's stage and speak at his events because I knew I had something to offer to the industry. Well, it took me writing the damn book and getting my name out there and proving to him that I do what I say I'm going to do, that I am the authority, that I happen to know a thing or two. I know what hard work is. Oh, and by the way, I got a leg up on you right now, buddy, because I got a book written and you don't. <laughs> That's kind of a, a power move to end all power moves there, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, he calls up. He says, hey, you want to speak in Dallas? Cool. I'm living in New York at the time. Um, he goes, good. Get ready. You got two weeks. Two weeks. This is my first time speaking publicly, sir. <laughs> I had an hour and 20 minute presentation to put together. And that's a that's a long fucking presentation, man. Yeah. That's a lot of talking. That's a lot of talking. Because you know when I do events and when I speak, I man, I try to keep it to about twenty minutes. Yeah. Because by that time, attention spans are going, and yeah. 
How did you speak for an hour and 20 minutes your first? You must have been terrified. A lot of prep. It's funny, you know, uh, I had met a gentleman on that flight to the Bahamas who does a lot of public speaking. Um, and, uh, you know, something I always wanted to do was on that list of things like, yeah, I know this is part of the path. Like, yeah, I guess I got to start learning about it. And I asked him, I said, hey, Brandon, do you have any uh, resources or books you can lead me to to learn more about speaking? And he goes, yeah. He goes, go get this book called The Exceptional Presenter. Go get it on Amazon. Cool. I did it. I read that book. I said, okay, cool. I got all the bullet points I needed from it. Um, and it talks a lot about body language and, you know, your hand position and what the crowd's doing, what you're doing, that kind of things, how to prepare for things. Um, so I kind of just, I, I read it. I read, I got enough out of that book where I said, okay, cool. I feel comfortable enough to go put this game plan of the presentation together. You see, here's the thing. This is, this is a project. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is no different than any other project you've done in the past. So let's say you're going to do a bathroom at home. Well, what do you do? You put a list of shit together, what you need to go do the project. Yeah. Well, the presentation's the same way. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you, what's the topic? What do you want to talk about? That's the starting point. Okay. Right. Boom. Pick the topic. And then it's just a bullet list. Okay. Well now tell the story. Yeah. Story starts here. The story ends here. Okay. So now you have a start point. You got an end point. Go fill the gap. Make it sound easy. It is. People <laughs> overcomplicate the shit out of everything in life. That's true. It's one of the biggest things I've learned. You know, people think that CRMs are complex. Well, they can be. Okay, they don't have to be. No, you just type and then hit tab and then you type <laughs> and hit tab and you type and hit tab and off you go. I mean, it's not, it, it's not rocket surgery, yeah. as, as Brian would say. Yeah, yeah you know? that's true. So um, get back from this trip. Uh, I start doing all this work, right? I start seeing results. Uh, I guess to the point where we, st myself and my partner, start walking into trade shows across the country in the industry, and I'm walking in, and people are walking up to me saying, "Hey, Tom, great, nice to meet you." I have no idea who they are. Yes, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh yeah, cool man, yeah, good to see you again." Yeah, and you know, my partner's asking me, "Hey, who's that?" And I said, "I thought you knew." I have no idea. Uh, that that kind of stuff happens because of the power of social media. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this free tool, this free resource that we have these days. If you're not using it, you're crazy. Oh yeah. But you have to use it as a tool. Yes. Um, you know, so many people, business owners included, are stuck in that social media is for me to keep up with my friends from school. Social yeah. media is for me to keep up with the guys that I met in the bar. Mm. And they never get past the fact that it can be used so much for business and for networking and to make yourself this authority figure that people will follow and when your newsfeed is full of, you know, fuck politics and, and oh, so-and-so did this and, oh, mm -hmm. so-and-so's sleeping, it makes it absolutely just abhorrent to wake up and open your newsfeed and look at that shit. Yeah. And once you make that jump and you realize social media is actually a tool yes, and it it's is. a business tool mm -hmm. and it can also be used as a CRM yep. for keeping up with people. Yeah, totally. It's like... It's like a night and day game changer. changer. I think Grant Cardone said it best. Whether you like the guy or not, this is what the man said, and it stuck with me. You have two choices with social media. You can either use it or you can be used by it. Absolutely. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to work, start doing this thing, and here's the funny thing. Wait, back up. Go ahead. What happened on the on the speaking gig? Did you kill it? Oh, I crushed it. I started crying halfway through the speaking gig too because I talked about my son and, and a situation that happened with him, and you know, I, I look like this big tough guy on the outside, and I got this big hairy hairy beard, but I'm pretty soft. I, I'm not gonna lie. 
it didn't take much to uh, get me to tear up in front of a room of a couple hundred people. <laughs> How many people? A couple of hundred people and you yeah. crushed it. Yeah, I, I did it, you know, but I, I put the prep work in. And here's my my catch on social media. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, yeah. I'm sorry, not social media, on, on public speaking. Yeah. I only speak about shit that I've lived and that I've personally experienced. And Can't get caught out that I'm, way. Exactly. I'm telling a story that is real, mm-hmm. right? I'm not telling a story of... Gee, oh, this is a theory. I read this in a book once. No, no. No, I'm not here to put that bullshit out there. I'm not here to regurgitate lies. But I think that's why both of our podcasts engage our audiences as well as they do is because yeah. everything on it's real. Yeah. Like everything we talk about happened. Mm-hmm. So there's no other way to do it, in my opinion, sir. Mm-mm. Yeah. So uh, I go, I build this machine. Yes. Okay. I get the books out. Podcast is going. I'm speaking from stages. Um, the authority within my industry, the business is operating without my day to day input and interaction, which is fantastic. I get a damn check in the mail come every week, no matter what. Perfect. Okay. Cool. Through this process of getting to that point, I stumble upon my purpose. What's your purpose, sir? I help others succeed in business. Hell yeah. So, cool. All right. And now I'm also helping other people in the coaching aspect at this point. I'm not charging for it. Right. People are hitting me up. They're seeing me successful. Oh, you wrote the book. Well, how did you do that? Well, maybe you can help me get through that. Cool. Well, how did you start the podcast? Well, what are the steps to do that? Uh, I hate to break it to you, but if people are coming and asking those kind of questions to you on a regular basis, you have the opportunity to monetize that and collect some money from your experiences. And you were the guy that hammered that into me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Um, but the so, guys haven't heard it, so yeah, we'll keep going. I, I agree. I agree. So uh, I, I hit up Mr. Ryan Stum and I said, look, man, it's like uh, I really enjoy helping people. Uh, I see that your business has potential and that you're looking to grow and expand your Apex Executives program. Uh, I'd love to come in and coach your people if you ever have the opportunity. I planted the seed, man. That's all I did. Mm-hmm. Two months later. I get a message or a phone call from him. Hey, man. (laughs) It's like, you want to coach my people? I'm like, yep. Okay, cool. And like 30 seconds later, he sent two two people over to me. He already already closed them. The hardcore clothes are already closed to sales. So I go, shit, that was fast. Like nothing like jumping into fire, man. So I had my first two coaching clients and, um, Started working with them and it just progressed and evolved and progressed and evolved. So October 2019, I started with them mm-hmm. um, with coaching. Uh, I'm, I'm being compensated for this now too. Yeah. I'm coaching a bit I'm on the side for myself. Dude, it's the weirdest feeling mm-hmm. getting paid to talk people through problems. Yeah. But it's the most joy I've ever experienced. I agree. So, sorry, carry you're, on. You're compressing time for them. That's the yes. benefit. Yes. And some people don't understand that and they're scared of it. Like, ah. Oh, that guy, he's just going to keep stringing you along and keep charging you money. No dummy. Like, I'm not here to hurt people in business. I'm here to help people. Mm-hmm. And if I ever get to a point, okay, this is where integrity comes in. If I ever get to a point where I feel that I'm not providing that value to you, I'm going to basically say, I think we're done. I'm going to say it in a kind way. Yeah. Okay, but hey, you know what? We probably should shut this down. I don't want to take the 2500 bucks a month from you anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, and, and that I've had that happen in the past where... You know, clients have been very responsive over the first couple of months and yeah. then they, they just kind of fall off and they don't put the work and they don't put the effort in and they still show up and they still pay you. Yes. But they don't follow through. And for me, that relationship doesn't work. Yeah. Like, unless you're actually 
prepared to jump in the trenches and do the work, I don't really want to kind of work with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, but what I've realized is in compressing time for people, I didn't realize how much being a hustler since age 12 and being a legitimate business owner since age 22 has done for my business experience. And so when I'm sitting talking with entrepreneurs that are 10 months in, I feel like I'm talking to 20-year-old Sam. Yep. You know? And do you feel the same way with that? Yeah, totally. Um, I also find that it uh, it helps me become a better business owner, leader, because if you're teaching somebody about something, you have to know it really, really well. Mm -hmm. So even if you know it pretty good, and you teach three people on it, you're gonna you're gonna know that subject matter really well by the time you're done. Oh yeah, yeah. Like so, for for my clients, I keep I keep track of where they're at and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And before each each lesson, I make sure I'm going over the material that I want to cover and their next steps. And because yeah. I've done it, but it might have been three years or it might have been five years or, yeah. or whatever. So I, I make sure and uh, and do everything that I can for those guys. But you just don't realize what you do know compared to what somebody coming into business for two years doesn't know. Oh, hundred percent stuff. That's just, uh, it's, it's almost second nature or natural to you at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, back to the story here. Yeah. We keep getting <laughs> That's right. cool. There's a story somewhere guys. <laughs> I promise. So, uh, I start coaching here with Mr. Stuman. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, officially a, we'll call it a contractor for right, break right. free Academy. Um, you know, coaching the apex executives, uh, at my peak, I think I had, uh, 24 coaching clients. That's a lot, man. a lot, That is a, a lot. lot. And similar to what you said, you know, some of them come in heavy out of the gate and then, you know, come that six month mark. They don't need that call every two weeks. So it's like, hey, I'll check in with you when I when I need you. Mm -hmm. And then, like, like for instance, Jason Greybeal. I okay? love that dude. Love the dude. Yeah. Super successful, smart dude. I have him on my calendar once every two weeks. I send him a text. You good? Right? And he'll either reply back instantaneously, yeah, I'm good, or hey, I got something I got to run by you. Mm -hmm. And then when, I, when Jason hits me with, hey, I got something I got to run by you, that's the cue, pick up the phone and call a dude because now he needs my assistance. Right, right. You know, and we have a good relationship like that too, which is open communication, which I prefer 100%. Mm -hmm. So coaching's going great. Um, COVID hits, uh -huh. okay? Changes everyone's lives, throws a monkey wrench into the program for the entire world. Absolutely. And uh, I got real tired of sitting on the couch, eating Oreos and drinking Corona. Dude, Oreos are so good. Long. I know. I have like one pack a year now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I may have had an entire sleeve since COVID began. Yeah. Well, like, after what I'm about to tell you. Because COVID <laughs> began, I ate a lot of Oreos, and then I kind of just stopped altogether. It's just a Thanksgiving thing for me, man. I got to <laughs> put the kids to bed, Oreos and milk, and that's it. That might once a year when I eat them, but they're so good. Oreos like. and milk, oh my Lord, yeah. <laughs> I feel like dog shit afterwards too. You do. Yeah. Like it's like an Oreo hangover. <laughs> I get the same thing when I eat fried chicken now. Yeah. Like it's just awful afterwards. Yep. But man, when you're eat, when you're eating it, it's delicious. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So COVID hits. Um, I'm living in New York currently. Uh, we have to shut the business down for a couple of days. We're deemed essential. Finally, we go right. back to work. None of my team members want to work for us. They're all scared of COVID, and they're yeah, getting well, paid more money from the government. Like, well, people. There were videos like of people dropping dead in the street. You can't. Looking back now, yep, 
Like the amount of fear that was pushed down our throats yeah. on those staff. Um, you can't really blame the employees. I mean, COVID shut us down. Two companies, yeah. one real estate, one media, yeah. and we they both would have been well into six figures in revenue mm -hmm. in 2020, and we went to zero. Yeah. And then three months later, I was fucked and out of savings. Yeah. And here we are still operating. Still but operating. COVID was like, for us, and I know it kind of was the same way for you all, but for us, the shutdown and the shock and having to go in and strip everything back to bare bones and rebuild mm. proper procedures from the beginning, my company's never been this strong now. Yeah. Ever. But it wouldn't because have got there. Because you did the work when <coughs> nobody else was there. doing the work. If the fucking country hadn't shut down, I'd yeah. have just kept doing yeah, what I, I was agree. doing and making good money, but yeah. not fucking great money. But So what happened in New York when mm -hmm. you finally got tired of eating Oreos? So I had known of this thing, 75 hard, for quite some time. Um, it's a hell <laughs> that of... That is so hard. Yeah. Uh, so a quick rundown. Uh, it's 75 days straight, no alcohol. No cheat meals. So you have to follow a diet of your choice. No cheat meals. Two workouts a day, forty-five minutes. One needs to be in. Uh, one needs to be outdoors. The other one can be anywhere. Uh, and take a progress picture. Um, it's it certainly sounds a lot easier than it is. Yes. Oh, and read ten pages of a self-development book each day. Yes. So okay, cool. Uh, I knew, I had seen some other people in the Apex program who had been very successful with it, were crushing it, and I said, you know what? They inspired me because here I am. It's fat fuck sitting on a couch here in New York, mm -hmm. really not doing much. Like, yeah, I'm still working in the business and keeping things moving on the back end, still working on my own personal stuff and posting on social media, yeah. hanging out with the family, but I can't do much. Right. So the, the Oreo and beer consumption just went through the roof mm -hmm. as my couch slowly sank further and further <laughs> to the ground because I kept gaining weight. Like Homer Simpson, <laughs> yeah. right, right there in the groove. <laughs> so um, I said, all right, cool. I, I see people over here having success with 75 hard and i was like you know what i got two choices when it comes to this COVID shit i can come out of this pandemic either in better mental and physical shape or i can come out worse yes sir. and those who are average are going to come out worse i so, think we all dipped for a minute oh i dipped I think, hard i think we all ate the oreos yeah. and drank the metaphorical beer on the couch for a minute and you know well, the world gave us permission to take a couple of weeks off. Absolutely. But if it wasn't for me, like I joined Apex like the week of the shutdown. Mm -hmm. I think I'd made the decision to join before the shutdown, but it was that week, the middle of March, and we shut down. I, I remember it was March 16th when the schools closed because it was William's birthday, my son. It was going to be his first birthday at school yeah. and then shut down. And for those few weeks, I think every single one of us kind of dipped a little bit. Mm -hmm. And every single one of us said, well, shit. What if, what if we don't come back? But yeah. then you're right. It was that decision. Am I going to come out of this better or am I going to lay down and just come out of it a fat fuck with no money? Yeah. And I've been a fat fuck with no money, man. And that shit ain't fun. No, it's not. I've, I've been there myself, sir, a couple of times. It is not cool whatsoever. Even being <laughs> a fat fuck with money is not cool. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Sorry um, to all you guys. Yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah. Not <laughs> meaning to piss anybody off, but it's just a harsh <laughs> truth. So I got to work, man. Bottom line, uh, it was May 6, 2020. Mm -hmm. I never forget the date because that's the date I committed. And I went into 75 hard with the mindset of I'm going to finish this motherfucker regardless of the condition of my body at the end of this. Mm -hmm. If if I've worn my foot down to the ankle bone and my bone is, is touching the ground, mm -hmm. I'm crossing the finish line on day 75. I commend you. Um, 
My my journey wasn't as successful. I filleted my calf the first time yeah. I did it on day forty six, playing a competitive soccer match as workout too, mm. and I couldn't move for about two months. I couldn't. Play. It, was, it, it was awful. Yeah. And uh, the second time, I was on day twenty seven, mm. and I put too much weight on the sled on leg extension, and I popped something in my back to where again couldn't walk. Done. Yeah. And seventy five hard is not something to take lightly. It is not as easy as you think. Most people make it four, five, six days and fuck it up. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, if you make it a month, you've done you've done good. So mm-hmm. for you to come all the way through it, what was the mental shift like at, at the at the middle of that? Mm. And what did you gain from it by the end? Because I know day thirty five, day forty, and you've been traveling all day, and <laughs> you get in and it's fucking ten thirty at night, and you got to do yep. another forty five minute workout. I know that doesn't feel great. So that what, sucks. What mind shift did yeah. you go through during that program? So it started, uh, it actually started early for me. Okay. Um, you got to understand something. I, I was consuming on average anywhere from three to probably eight beers a night at this point in time. How many calories are in a beer, dude? Because I, I don't uh, drink it's, that it's, You know what? Uh, I, I, Corona Extra was my drink of choice. Okay. Okay. I still have them occasionally now, by the way, so... Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, you know. Um, I would say it's probably 150 to 200 calorie beer. Okay, let's take 150. Yeah, sure. And, and, and times it by, would you say, between three and eight, so five. Yeah. So that's 750 extra calories you're yep, sitting on the couch. per day. And then how many potato chips? No, potato chips never really my thing. How, how do you drink beer and eat Oreos at the same time? Dude, the Oreos are sweet and the beer is not. Well, I would be done with the beers and then I'd sit in the couch and I'd get bored and I'd just go get the oh, Oreos. Okay, all right. That's and if I wasn't would... too full from the beer, I'd get, I'd get milk with it's it too. Milk. Okay, so I'm yeah. thinking you would dip in A Oreos real complete shit show in my guts. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your wife appreciates you more now. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, so TMI here. Um, the, the gas problems have pretty much dwindled to nothing since I've cleaned the diet up. Dude, it's amazing what happens when you stop putting crap in your body. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, yes, I do miss eating crap occasionally. Mm-hmm. And you miss the fried chicken and you miss the Oreos, but life is a lot better on this side of it. Yes, sir. I do agree. So 75 hard. Yeah, mentally. day six. Day six, I get hit by a lightning bolt of reality that says, hey, dummy, you're not living within congruence uh, of your core values. Okay, I'm big on core values. I wrote a damn book on it for Christ's yes. sakes. Okay. Yes. I know what my personal core values are. And there's one of them that stands out from the rest and it is I refuse to be average. Okay. My, my home office in New York and even my, my office here in Texas, I've got a sign on the wall that says I refuse to be average. My wife bought me this as a birthday gift because she knows how important that core value is to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the office doing some work. I look up, I see this and I said, holy shit. It's like, there it was. It zapped me. Here I am. I have this core value of refusing to be average. I'm living in an average home. I've got average relationships with people in my life. Uh, luckily, not my wife. Um, I have an average business, okay? Because I had built the business. It was successful, but I knew it could be more. Right. And I kind of took the foot off the gas. But most of us do when we get to a point where we can. Like- but I had lost my passion. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had known that for a long time, but I was afraid to admit it even to myself. So deep, man. Yeah, it was deep. It was fucking, it was, it was rough, bro. Cause you have these realizations, and you know what the truth is in your head. And then when you, when you live 
and die by those values, mm-hmm. there's only one choice. Well, there's the outer Thomas that everybody sees, yeah. that you're pretending to be, and there's the inner Thomas that has those core values and those core influences that it's really what make you tick. And, dude, life changes when you pull the inner guy to the forefront and live by those actual fucking core values and those things that drive you. Yeah. But I didn't discover that till I read your book. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, this shit makes sense. Mm. And when you follow those core values and the core influences and you hang out with people that share those same core values and core influences, that magic happens, dude. Sure. So tell us what happened on day seven. How did you go from I fucking refuse to be average yeah. to where you are now? Started having real conversations with people. So I started with my wife. said, hey, you know, we've been talking about moving for two years. I think now's the time. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of laid out the pros and the cons. Uh, sitting, you know, at the, at the dining room table that evening, and and we both looked at each other and said, "Okay, let's go." And I think within a week we had the house on the market. Uh, two days after uh, the house went on the market, it was sold to a cash buyer for thirty five thousand dollars over asking price. That has been the story of the year, man. Mm-hmm. A little quicker than you expected, right? It was way quicker because you got to understand this is the beginning of this. I don't know what you want to call this housing increase price or whatever the hell's going on. Shit, I think we can call it mass migration and hyperinflation. Yes, that, <laughs> that's right, perfect. fairly safe right yeah, now. Yeah, so it's funny. It was mass migration. It was people leaving the five boroughs of New yeah. York City moving out to Long Island is what it mm-hmm. really was. Uh, we had lines and lines and lines of people waiting outside to view our home. And they only let one family in at a time because of COVID. COVID, and then you got to wipe it all down. Correct. Yep. So uh, it was, anyway, house sells, come down here, find a house. Long story short, that was May. I finished 75 hard in July, like end of July. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, by September, we were down here in, in, in Dallas. Um, I had already had conversations and started the process to exit my company. Mm-hmm. And I was a 50-50 partner with my partner. Said, hey, I want to give you my half. Let's come together and figure out what this sucker's worth and payment and the whole nine yards. Uh, that was fun. How did how did that conversation go? <laughs> um, I I said I flat out said to him. I called him uh, one day and I said, hey, look, just shooting you straight. I'm selling my house and moving to Texas. Okay, cool. And he didn't think much of it. Like I don't know if the guy thought I was serious or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We need to discuss this a little further. Like, I don't know if you understand like the implications of me leaving a service-based business here in New York and moving to Texas. Like, if shit hits the fan, I can't go hop in my car and go drive to the the on-site technician and go help him out. Yeah. Um, And I'm fully aware of that, and I want to get super clear with this guy. So we went we went up having breakfast a couple times and having different conversations, and then I I think. He, he didn't believe it until I actually left one day. <laughs> um, oh, you know, Wes Thomas. Yeah. Was he? So that one, we, we wound up selling that up around November. Um, but in that interim, you know, I had discovered that I, I had built this business that I wasn't passionate about. It was time to move on. Mm-hmm. What's the purpose? I help other succeed in business. What are the core values? The whole nine yards. And I started working on a new company for me. Yeah. Which was Step It Up Academy. I Stop. have a t-shirt, man. I yeah. wear it proudly. Thank you, sir. So start building the company, and um, I'm sitting in my home office here in Dallas, and phone phone rings, and I, you know me, I'm, I'm I try to stay out of the reactionary state at all times. That that's protecting your time, right? Which means if I'm answering your phone call, I'm in reactionary state. 
So unless you're on my calendar, and I know you're calling, mm -hmm. the chances of me answering that phone call are slim to none, and none just kick slim dead in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. I've never heard that one before. We're going to take that. <laughs> Kicked it dead in the dick. Right. So um, I see the phone, and I see that it's uh, one of the team members over here at, at Break Free Academy. Mm -hmm. I answer, wind up having a, call, a conversation. And I, I, it came out of left field, like, man, I wasn't expecting this to happen. What's going on here? So, cool. I think about it. I have these choices to make. And I wound up, because here's the deal. There's a conflict of interest. I'm starting my own coaching and mastermind program. Uh -huh. And I just got asked to come work for the world's best mastermind and coaching program. Right. And we, we're going to teach the same shit. Okay? Okay, cool. So here's the deal. This all goes back to purpose and why why it's so important for you to put the work in and figure out why you're here and what you're doing. I'm able to help more people succeed in business coming over here with Break Free Academy than I could running uh, as, a, as a, uh, a solopreneur. Absolutely. And on a bigger scale. Yeah. Okay. And not only do I, I get to help the clients here, I get to help all the other people I work with. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, the big man, Mr. Ryan Steuben himself. I get to help him succeed in business. And to me, that's reciprocity because he had helped me so much as I was leveling up and growing in my entrepreneurship journey. Dude, no matter what you do, you cannot, you cannot fool the law of reciprocity. No. I mean, it's just, it's just there. Yeah. It's, it, and it's huge. So now look, what do you do now for those people that yes. don't actually know? <laughs> um, so the, the call came, Hey, we need some help over yep. here. What do you do now? Yep. What's your so, day? So um, they onboarded me here at Break Free Academy. And, and for those who don't know, Break Free Academy is the entity. It's the business and uh, Break Free Academy owns the Apex Mastermind Group. So mm -hmm. we have Apex Entourage, Apex Entre Entrepreneurs and Apex Executives. There's three different levels to it. Uh, and we basically just help people succeed in business mm -hmm. uh, in different uh, networking groups. We, we, we train on social media, marketing, sales techniques, lifestyle. You know, we talk about physical fitness and how it's important and how it directly correlates to your performance Absolutely. as an entrepreneur. Um, so to cut to the chase and answer the question, sir, I am the chief operating officer of Break Free Academy here in Dallas, Texas. It's insane. You yeah. come from uh, overweight overworked miserable car audio installer to like literally the man with the biggest swinging thing in the room man. <laughs> i mean you've done an absolutely insane job in such a short amount of time and i don't want to <clears throat> take away from the amount of work you've done but it's been like clip 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 and done like yeah you have ascended very quickly from doing the work we, we respect you all for it but Thank i got you. like a tricky question now let's go What's next for Thomas Keenan? You know something? This is the second time today this question's been asked upon me, sir. You should probably record fewer podcasts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's next for me? I got a couple things. Okay. Okay, number one. My wife took her foot off the gas to take care of our family. So I want to help her. So my wife, um, uh, she became a certified yoga teacher uh, when we moved down here. And 
Sorry. Dude, take all the time you need, man. Um, her dream now is to open up her own place. Um, and <laughs> she's been hanging around a bunch of entrepreneurs for too long. So <laughs> Imagine that. It's, yeah. it's not just, let's go open my own yoga studio and help people uh, discover that art and, and teach people. It's, hey, uh, we're going to go buy a fucking building. <laughs> and we're going to put a yoga studio in there and we're going to start putting, you know, some rentals next to it and whatnot. So, uh, that's, that's on the agenda. Um, but that also goes, it, it, it plays more in what I want to do. I want to invest more money. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I've traded time for money for my whole life. I still do somewhat. Uh, and it's just part of what we do. That's the main thing. Yeah. But in the background, I've learned, over the past couple of years that it's so important to make your money work for you. That's the next step, man. Yeah. yeah. So I want to, I want to continue with investments. I want my, you know, I want to make great money, right. Which, which I do. I get to help great people. Uh, I get to put JVs together with people mm-hmm. like Ryan Stuman. Like we, we didn't kill step it up Academy. It's one of the negotiations that I kind of put in when I came on the team here. Right. It's like, look, man, I just put a ton of money, effort and marketing and the whole nine yards into step it up Academy. I just named the damn podcast there for Christ's yeah, sakes, yeah. Uh, this thing ain't going away, okay? Uh, however, I got an idea, and the idea is the trainings that I'm going to bring into this now, I'm going to change them up a little bit, right? And they're not going to be what you're offering over here at Apex. That makes sense. Okay, it's, it is, don't get me wrong, it, it is what you offer, but I'm going to take a stupid deep dive into this shit. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty tactical stuff and start teaching people how to actually systematize their companies at a level they've never seen. So we started holding events doing that. They're real small group events. We've got like eight people, 10 people. Oh, I was, I was desperate to come, yeah. but you know, sometimes cash flow doesn't afford <laughs> all the events I want yeah. to attend. No, I mean, no. like for me, figuring out systems and processes has been one of the keys to being able to step up and yeah. move along with business and actually do more uh, by leveraging other people and leveraging other people's time mm-hmm. and their talents over mine. Because I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm only great, really, at one. That's it. And that's where you should spend your time. That's what I do, man. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, man, I feel like we could talk for a week, but we're actually running up on our time, (laughs) dude. I don't know if I've got any more questions for you. It's been such an absolute honor to sit here and just run this podcast backwards from the time you picked my brain to me actually being out. Pick your brain. Have you told the story of Thomas Keenan and tell the story of your rise to where you're at, man. It's been an absolutely fucking incredible thing for me to watch. I mean, the first time I met you was um, back in December at the first Apex Live I ever mm-hmm. attended. And I bumped into you at the elevator after the event and you signed a copy of your book for me and I was totally fucking starstruck. <laughs> and now it is my absolute pleasure to be able to call you my friend. Man, I'm very, very happy that I am in this environment with you and that I'm getting to walk this fucking journey with you, man. Fuck yeah, dude. So, And you get to write down in history that um, you've got the first podcast that I've cried like a, uh, hey, I've just man. cried on. It's... <laughs> I, honestly, I wanted to stand up, come around there and give you a hug, man. Yeah. Um, I could see what you were going through in your mind there and, and in your head. And, dude, thank you for, for sharing that as openly as you did with us, man. It's been really a pleasure to have you here and a pleasure fucking 
hearing your story and hearing a little bit more about who you are and what makes you tick. So, dude, before we get off of here, do me a favor. Sure. Let everybody know where they can follow you on social media yep. and where they can get in touch with you and learn a little bit more about Apex and yeah, what you sure. do over here. Yeah, it's real simple. Um, I'm on all the socials. Instagram and Facebook mainly, but you'll find me in the other ones too if you mm-hmm. search hard enough. Uh, the key to finding me is to not put an H in my name. Uh, my name is, is formally Tomas, so it's T-O-M-A-S, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Keenan. Uh, the best two places on the web if you want to connect with me is go to connectwiththomas.com or thomaskeenan.com. Uh, and you can find me. You can find about Apex over there. You can connect with me. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you need to. And I'm an open book. I mean, the, the same way that we're having conversations here and I just got real with you and told you something that um, is deep in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just, I shoot it how it is. If someone asks me a question, I'm going to answer them truthfully. So it's my way of giving back. Well, there's not many guys I'll say this to, but I love you, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and spending the time to talk to my audience. And uh, guys, please run on over to his Facebook page, run on over to his Instagram and go out and check out thomaskeenan.com and uh, buy this guy's book because even though we haven't mentioned the name of it, you can find it on Amazon. It's called Unfuck Your Business and it is absolutely life-changing. Once again, Thomas, thank you for being on the show, my friend. I appreciate you. I love you. And uh, guys, you'll stay tuned. Check out Thomas's stuff. And we'll see you on Friday for this week's episode of Friday Fire. You'll stay safe. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.